Predators are almost all the way through their very tough November schedule, and they're sitting pretty right now. This is the Wednesday before Thanksgiving when we're recording this, and the Nashville Predators are once again the top team in the league. I'm John Garcia here with Predators uh, beat reporter for the Tennessean, Paul Scribina. How's it going, Paul? It's going well. How are you? I'm doing just fine. So uh, what have you, we talked about this in the last time. It's been a little bit since we've had a chance to sit down and chat, but we talked about how tough the November schedule was going to be for the Predators. And they had a little bit of a skid there for a little bit, but some injuries played the factor in that. But otherwise, they're doing pretty great right now. What have you seen from this team so far this month? Well, I think for, for one thing, their their goaltending is is as has always been phenomenal, especially Pekka since he's come back. I don't know what this guy. He, he seems he's getting better with age. Um, he has a great mustache now too. But um, you know the, the goaltending is there. The, the power play is starting to come around a little bit. Um, you know with Victor Arvidsson being out for six to eight weeks, they're trying to figure that out, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But um, you know the cream, I believe, always rises to the top. You know every team's going to go through some skids during the season. Um, I don't see any. I don't really see any sustained uh, skids for this team in the future. This is what, what they're built for, right? They're built to withstand these losing streaks, which is means they're built. Hopefully, they're hoping they're hoping for the playoffs. But yeah, they had a lot of they had some tests. Um, you know, they lost against some bad teams, beat some really good teams. But that's just again, I, I say this all the time. That's just the course of a season, right? Sure. That's, that's just that's going to happen. They're going to lose three, four games in a row sometimes, and uh, they're going to win seven or eight in a row sometimes. And that that's not indicative of the season as a whole. That's just how a season goes yeah and I think you can look back at the uh, game in San Jose that kind of uh, illustrates that a little bit where they had a really horrible first period you know they gave up a three nothing uh, lead real quick uh, but then they were able to come back uh, and tie it which is a resiliency that we saw a lot from them last season it's a resiliency that looks like it's there this season didn't exactly go the way that they wanted to because they got ahead and then let the game slip away from them in the past couple minutes. But um, yeah, it seems recently that if they're losing, the losses are uh, uh, not great. Like either something happens or they kind of uh, lose. They don't play that 60-minute hockey for a little bit. They tend uh, but to, the, but they, the games that they're winning, they're winning very, very hard. They haven't, I can't, rem- and maybe I'm wrong on this, but I can't remember a game where they've gotten just completely blown out. Um, I've, I, I've, there are, there have been several games where they've been outplayed and still won, which is a sign of a good team. And one thing I've noticed, no matter how they get, how, how much they get down, they never stop. But on the, conversely, when they get up big, they seem to let off the gas a little bit, which is something I think that they, you know, they're aware of, they're, they're trying to address. That's just a, a, a normal mental thing. Yeah. Right? Especially like, when you're playing in October, November too, you know, and not to say that it's hard to get up for any of those games or that, uh, you know, good players or teammates or professionals say, oh, well, this game doesn't matter because, as we talked about last time, all games matter. Um, but, you know, when you do have that season, that long season, and it starts to get into the grind, um, and you're not thinking like, oh, if we lose one or two games, we our season's over, then sometimes that can creep in. And, you know, they, they are, uh, I think sometimes... And we saw this a lot uh, before this iteration of the Predators team, uh, back with uh, some of the teams that were playing in front of Pecorine before. They got a little bit complacent, saying like, oh, Pekka might bail us out. And they uh, let play kind of go on uh, a little bit longer than they should have. They do. I mean, and, and they rely a lot. I mean, look, <clears throat> with, the way they're, with the way their defense is set up, you know, they're a very offensive defense. 
Um, and, and they're allowed to do that because they can rely on PECA or UC. Um, you know, so I think, that, again, that's, that, that's by design. Um, they take a lot of chances, and sometimes when you take chances, you get burned. But, you know, for the most part, I mean, I think th- this team, as we talked about every time, you know, on this podcast, and we, and we talk about it quite a bit, this team is, is, is certainly constructed um, with a certain strategy in mind, and, and they're very good at executing that strategy. Um, so, you know, I, people were f- freaking out, I, I guess, sort of understandably, you know, when the team loses three games in a row or whatever it is, it, it's, it's, you know, there's a, it's a long, long, long haul. So, but yeah. But, and they but, built up a cushion before that three, uh, three game loss. Uh, so, I mean, even looking at now they've got, uh, Winnipeg's got a couple of games in hand on them, but even if they win all those games in hand, they're still going to be a point behind them. Uh, so Nashville looks pretty good from where they're at right now. And again, they just need to keep up. Uh, it doesn't matter wh- whether they get first in the, in the division or if they're a wild card team, it doesn't yeah. matter what they do in the regular season, as long as they make the playoffs and make some noise while they're there. Yeah, I got news for you, Nashville. It's your, your franchise is at a point now where, the playoffs are all that matters, and, and the players will never say that, and the coaches will never say that, and the front office will never say that, but that's all that matters, right? They're, they're, this is a, the regular season is a means to an end. It doesn't matter wh- what seed you are. You know, look, they won the President's Trophy last year. Yeah, and, 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 and it was great, and you saw how uh, enthusiastic the, the fan base was um, and how much people were enjoying that because, you know, that had never happened here before, right. and it was uh, great to see uh, kind of like a, a – through a fresh perspective, uh, a fan base's uh, reaction to seeing their team finally after 20 years of, you know, middling success to like, oh, we're making the playoffs and then, you know, going to a Stanley Cup final and all this stuff. The past couple of years, it's been refreshing to see this through this fan base as like all these things happening for the first time. Now that luster is kind of worn off a little bit, you know, it, it would be great for Predators fans. I'm sure that they would say, yeah, it'd be great if they won the President's Trophy, but if they don't, we don't really care at this point because we're, we, we've done that. We've been there. Now we're looking at the big silver cup at the end of the road. And they're, they're, they're an elite team. And, and, you know, in order to, to validate that, that label, they need to win a Stanley Cup. Yeah, I mean, expectations and, are super high for this team, as they should be, because Peter Laviolette is a world-class coach. Uh, Pecorine is a world-class goaltender, and a lot of the players that they have, even though they may not get the recognition that they deserve around the league, are phenomenal players and they should be able to, you know, at least make a Western Conference final, at least, you know, and then maybe make a Stanley Cup final. And they are built to win a Stanley Cup. They are. And, and I want to get into something that, that is long term, um, at least in the short term, if that makes any sense, is, is Victor Arvidsson's injury um, and the effect that that could have on the top line. Now, that we, we, we've seen Peter Laviolette try uh, several different players in that role. Um, you know, with the latest being Craig Smith, uh, who I think probably is the best fit. You I, would, I would agree with that. My my first my first instinct would be Kevin Fiala if he wasn't having the season that he's having because he just has that potential to play with those guys. But we, I don't really think that he deserves top line minutes so far the way that he's been playing. He, he, he hasn't. And you know what? The thing, and, and, and I wasn't here last year, so I had to do some homework on this and listen to some people who were and, and know better than I do. Um, 
you know, there's a lot of people out there who who have come come at me and come at about Kevin Fiala. And I looked at last year, and he had a really similar start last year. Yeah, and really started lighting it up in December. He had 13 points through his first 21 games. I think right now he's got nine points through his first 21 games. And and but but last year I think he led. He scored 11 or 12 goals in December, and had the, which was the most on the team. Uh, point being, the kid is 22 years old, and I'm not here to make excuses. He's a professional, um, you know. But Kevin has um, shown flashes. Um, he is. He had a really good game in, in limited minutes last game, uh, dropping from the, the first the first line to the second line to the fourth line in three games. But I will say this, um, and this is this is kind of inside baseball a little bit. But I, I appreciate it as as a you know. Look, we all have bad days. We all have bad stretches. Um, Kevin has been remarkably honest for especially for a 22 year old. You know, I don't want to call him a kid, but a 22 year old, very young player very young person who who's still learning and he's not making excuses he you know look I, i've talked to him several times i talked to him after he ran into pekka and pekka's injury happened and kevin felt really awful and how you know about that kevin has also expressed to me several times how disappointed he is in himself and and has never offered an excuse um you know he's had some some bad bounces that didn't go his way where he may have a few more goals um, you know, but it's, it's, it's about more than the goals and the assists, right? It, it, with hockey, it's, it's, it's very much not about the numbers all the time. And so, you know, the last game he had, he had more of a, you know, he had some, some quality chances, but the thing that stands out to me about him is, you know, he'll look at me in, in, in the eye and say, you know, pretty much I, yeah, I have stunk. I did, I do deserve to be, you know, demoted, if you will. I do need to play better. My confidence, and this is where this is where it gets interesting to me. You know, professional athletes are the most confident people in the world. That um, you have to be in order to succeed. Sure. You know? And and he has said several times that he has lost that confidence that he had last year, and and that's remarkable to me that. The, the, to be honest about that. And it's funny that you bring that up because while you were talking about that, I was thinking of that word confidence. And it seems, especially in this day and age where you have so many younger uh, players coming into the league um, that are extremely talented, it seems that every fan base has that one player on the team that is young, that was drafted high, and is not... I don't want to say like not living up to expectations, but you can see that in certain points, but it's not all there. The consistency isn't there all the time. Uh, if you go back a couple of years, Colin Wilson was like that. Um, and I'm not comparing Kevin Fiala to Colin Wilson. I think that Kevin Fiala's ceiling is a lot higher than Colin Wilson's is, but it seems that there's just this, the young kids getting into uh, to the league and adjusting and stuff like that. Some of them have a little bit more of a learning curve than others. And I think that there definitely is that confidence issue. And there are a lot of people who are very open about that, you know, saying that they are seeing sports psychologists or trying to get out of their own heads to do that. I mean, Mark and Andre Fleury, uh, goaltender for the Vegas Golden Knights, even said that he was seeing a sports psychologist as recent as just a couple of years ago. A lot of teams uh, employ them now. Yeah, it's, and, it's, you know, I mean, I don't know about in hockey. I know in baseball, it's becoming a big thing where, where teams, ha- they actually have somebody on staff who's, who's a, uh, you know, a mental coach, they call them. Um, and, you know, Kevin is, is, is you know, I, I don't know his full history. I do know that, you know, the, the, the team certainly, Peter has confidence in him. Um, 
Yeah, and he, I mean, he was drafted at 17 years old. So, I mean, he's, and especially in this day and age where everyone's on social media and there's a lot of expectations and you can hear everything going on every time because, you know, players will say that they tune out the media and they don't pay attention. Uh, I think you and I both know that that's not exactly true. um, And it's hard to get away from that. So, you know, for if, I mean, I think of myself at 22 years old, I was just graduating college. And if I had expectations of on me to be a, top line NHL scorer. I don't know if I would be able to handle that personally. Well, and you're also talking about filling a role that let's face it, Victor Arvidsson is not replaceable in in the true sense of the word, right? You're, they don't have another Victor Arvidsson sure. on this team. He, you know, and, and when he first went out, the first time he went out, you can see Forsberg and Johansson struggling without him, right? So they played together for a long time and they, and everybody in that room has said, you know, Victor is, they use the word, he's the, he's the motor that makes that, that go, right? So when you lose that, um, you can't replace it. And I think the expectation of whoever gets put in that spot, people are automatically going to look at him and say, all right, well, he's no Victor Arvidsson. Well, I got news for you. There's nobody who's Victor Arvidsson on that team. So I would, I would stop with those comparisons and look at the, look at the progress and, and who's, who's the best fit, right? Who, who's the best for certain matchups against certain teams, whether you're on the home, at home or on the road. There's so many intricacies that go into it. But overall, you know, I'm looking up and down the roster, and I see, you know, a Craig Smith who I think probably fits that role the best. Yeah, I would but agree with that. Wh- how they do without Victor for the next couple of months is going to be very telling um, in terms of how they, you know, their playoff positioning and whatnot. And that's where I want to remind, you know, I always want to remind people it's it's it doesn't matter where they, they're going to make the playoffs. Doesn't really matter where they could they could go into a free fall without the guy. I don't. I doubt that happens. But you know, it's unfair to compare Kevin Fiala or Craig Smith or or Kyle Turris to Victor Arvidsson. It's just it, it it's it's a waste of breath to be quite honest with you. And this is what you have to work with. This is what they're they're going to work with. And they'll you know these guys are are paid professionals. The coaches are paid to make these decisions. And I a lot of times defer to them. I don't always agree. I'll give you an example. I don't agree with not having Ryan Hartman on, on the power play. I, Which I think we'll get to in just a second. Right. But, you know, I think I, I'm not, you know, everybody's certainly free to question, but I just don't think it's fair to compare, you know, losing a guy like Arts and then Fiala comes in and he's not Victor. Well, then even magnifies Fiala's uh, lack of success, if you will, even more, because now you're comparing him to somebody that it's not a fair comparison. Yeah, I think maybe the uh, so I mean we talked about this and we agree uh, that Craig Smith, who I believe is playing up there right now, uh, is probably the best fit for that. Um, if somehow that starts to go south a little bit, uh, one name that I think might uh, not be on the top, but I think could possibly be a fit, uh, Colton Sissons, especially if it's just for like a little bit of time. Um, well, they've, you, and they've tried him yeah, there. If you they've have, tried him there. And I think Kelly Yarncroke is another guy who, yeah. who could, who can step and he, up. And he's that. done that before. And like in short little bursts, you know, as, as a winger, I think that that's good. Um, the, uh, I think one of the, one of the reasons why I would pick Sissons over Yarncroke though, is so that, uh, Arvids or not Arvidsson, uh, Johansson and Forsberg can do their dangles, their niftiness, use their skill and, and Colton Sissons can just wreak havoc in front of the net and try to pop in some rebounds. Uh, in, in lieu of Victor Arvidsson, I think that that's a good strategy and something that, I mean, you just want to stay above water at that point. That'll yeah. work. And, and I think, and here we are. So here we are, we've mentioned, what, three, four, five names trying to take the place of one guy. Exactly. Who, so that just, I think that tells you right there, that's very defining about how important Arvidsson is to this team. Now, if this team can withstand not having him for that sustained period of time, 
um, that will say a lot about the way they're built. But, you know, the fact that we're talking about five guys filling, trying for, to fill this role for one. Yeah, for a diminutive fourth round pick. It's pretty, it's pretty good drafting by the Predators there. Yes. Um, so you mentioned the Preds power play, which has started to come to life a little bit here. Uh, they were uh, just atrocious to start the season. Um, they're still uh, second to last in the league. I think the only team that's worse than them right now is the LA Kings for having their own just uh, team-wide problems. They're like uh, last in the league in everything. Uh, yeah, yeah, they're, they're, they're pretty bad right now, uh, which, I mean, with that roster of, you know, 35-year-olds, who would have seen that coming? But uh, So uh, why, Paul, should Ryan Hartman be on the power play? Well, I think just because it's hard. So here's the, here's the thing. And I was thinking about this. So they're, they're playing games like every other day. Cause I, I often wonder when I see them and they've changed up power plays in the middle of games before. And, and it shows that these guys haven't done this together. Right. It's, it's, it's like doing a, doing a, putting on a play without a rehearsal. Uh, we're just going to change in the middle of the play and this guy's going to play this role. And that's very difficult to do. Right. Cause these guys are, are creatures of habit. They get used to playing with certain guys and they get used to each other's tendencies and, and whatnot. So, you know, at first I, I'm looking and I'm going, why, why do you keep doing the same thing when it's not working? I mean, and, and why it's not working is, is, is a whole nother mystery because the talent that's on this team, it just seems like, I mean, if you're five on four, you should be, you know, with the talent that's on this team, you should be scoring a lot more. Um, but the problem that I saw with the power play was that they weren't creating enough chances, right? It was just one shot and done. They didn't have, so not to bring Arvidsson back into the mix, but they they don't have a lot of guys like Arvidsson who are, who are willing to stand in front of the net and take the abuse and get those 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 dirty goals or however you want to describe them. Um, Hartman is a guy. He's a gritty guy. He's a guy who um, can create offense. He's a guy who's not afraid to stand in front of the net and take and, and take the abuse. Um, and I just thought it might work. You know, look, when nothing's working, you're willing to try anything, and 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 they have, but they've stayed away from that for some odd reason. Peter has said that Ryan very well is very capable of playing on the power play. I think the reason he hasn't though is because they haven't had the chance to with 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 games every other day, there's very few practices, there's very little time to prepare, right? So you just have to go with what you know. Um so I think in the future you, we we might see that especially with Victor being out long term if they you know if they get a chance to to get these guys together for, you know, these units together for a couple of practices, a couple run-throughs, a couple rehearsals. Um, you might see that, I, but it, you know, it was just very puzzling to me as to, you know, why not just throw them out there? What, how could it get any worse? It really couldn't get any worse than it was. Do you see, um, when you're watching the power play, do you see a lot? Uh, Cause from my perspective, it seems that they try to run a lot of the power play from the point and just, you know, get the, sh- get the puck up to the point, fire it on to the goal and then. Then try and see it. what happens, yeah, right? Like, They're not trying to pass a lot and open up lanes and everything like that. Um, have they started to get away from that a little bit more in the past? Is that why the power play is starting to click a little bit better? I just think it's just a matter of of numbers evening themselves out. They're not, we, we, look, they're never going to be as bad. As, they're not going to sustain that unsu- unsuccessfulness, if you will, through the course of this. They're not going to be that bad all year. They're, it's it's going to eventually even out. Um, and, and we've seen that. I, I don't know that they're doing a lot differently. They, they I think against um, the game before last, they had a lot of really good chances and just didn't score. Mm-hmm. Right. So then which happens sometimes. Right. And, and but it's magnified when you haven't been scoring. Right. It, it makes it worse. So, the, so, you know, so the last game, I th- you know, against the Lightning, they got more chances, but they did score. The bounces did go their way. So that has something to do with it. 
I think fundamentally, though, I think to your point about um, passing it so much, I, it just seemed like nobody was willing to take a shot. And then when they do take a shot, it's never, you know, it's never going to be the shot where you can get the, the rebounds. Or you, it, it just seems like they were one and done. And then, you know, they're, then they're going back the other way or, or, you know, falling behind and running out of time. And so they, it just becomes a, a domino effect where you just, I think, you know, we bring up the word confidence. I just think they, they go out there. Look, five on five, they're phenomenal. Um, I, you know, if they, and I've asked several guys about it and, you know, you always ask, you always ask, you know, what, what's wrong? Well, if they knew what was wrong, there wouldn't would, be an issue. Right. So like, it's kind of a dumb question and, and I try not to, so I try to approach it from a different way when I can. And I'm not saying I've never asked what's wrong, but you know, the, quite often it's just a matter of, you know, if you can do, and hockey's a sport especially, where you can do all the right things and, and not get the results. Or you can do a lot of things wrong and still win. And I think a good example of that is so when they they were much happier, they were much happier uh, the other night with their victory against the Lightning than they were when they beat when they beat them down in Tampa. I think it was 4-1 or whatever it was. Um, they weren't happy with that. They won 4-1, to and after that game they had a meeting to address a lot of issues that they saw during this 4-1 win. So it's easy to look on the surface and say, "Oh, they won four to one, and you, you know you, you must have killed them and done everything right." And here the other night they won three to two, closer game, but it was a much better game. And and so you know the, that's where you know the, the understanding how and, and look, I'm still I still admittedly am learning you know some of the, the intricacies of of how this works. It's easy to look at the surface. And it's easy for me to look and say, "Oh, they won three in a row," and not be critical, or they've they've lost three in a row and just dump all over them. Mm-hmm. So if you if you look at the lack of success, you, you have to look at why they're not being successful, and and sometimes it's just bad luck. Um, and again, the numbers are gonna the numbers I think are gonna even out eventually. Yeah, I think when you look at a good power plays across the league, um, there are a couple of things that the teams have in common. They have a uh, defenseman that can quarterback the power play. Uh, Nashville has that in spades. Uh, they have a center or a some sort of forward who is really good at zone entries that can not just dump the puck in and retrieve it, but actually get past the blue line and past the defenders um, to start opening up that penalty kill and setting up the passes. Um, so they have, you know, whether it's center or forward to uh, also run the power play through um, like I'm thinking, you know, Sidney Crosby in Pittsburgh, uh, Nicholas Backstrom or Evgeny Kuznetsov in Washington. Uh, you have, um, uh, Tyler Johnson might be another one in uh, in Tampa Bay, uh, and then uh, in Toronto, who's uh, sixth in the league right now. You have John Tavares, Austin Matthews, just, an embarrassment. Yeah, any, any any one of those guys guys can do that. Um, and then so you you have those two components, and then you just have good puck movement because I think good puck movement and opening things up is very good to uh, um, for a good power play, and it's not necessarily. Um, the amount of shots that you're going to take on a power play, but definitely taking taking a couple of extra minute, uh, seconds to look for the best opportunity and see if you have someone that's open that uh, uh, to get a lane open up that you can pass it to, or if you can uh, try and find a shot that you can take by moving in just a, a couple of feet. Um, so I think uh, that has a, a common thread through most of the power plays that are successful in the league. And again, Nashville has all of those. They so do. And, and I think it's a matter of just like going back and kind of, I don't know if they 
I mean, at this point, I feel like since it's not going the way that it, it how how it's been going so far this season, they should almost just go back to the drawing board and figure out something that can work because they have all those components there and what they're doing right now isn't really working. And, and they can afford to do that. I mean, look, look, the team is 15, five and one. They have the best record in the NHL and their power play stinks. Sure. So if they're, if, if they figure that out, mm-hmm. how much better are they going to be? And so while it is a concern, you know, and, and I guess when team, when teams keep on winning, like the predators have been, you know, you, you start, I guess, as a, from a fan's perspective, you may start trying to find nits to pick at, right? Yeah. And, and, and this is certainly a big one, and mm-hmm. it's certainly not one that's, that is not, uh, you know, it's not being ignored in the locker room, that's for sure. Yeah, and I, I think it mostly is amplified just because in every other facet of the game, uh, Nashville is, uh, is incredible. Uh, they're, uh, as of right now, 15th in the league in penalty killing, uh, I think. I imagine that that'll go up, and they're also uh, missing some penalty killers now. Well, and they and, and getting <clears throat> getting Austin Watson back, um, he's he's you know I think pretty historically has been pretty good on the penalty kill, and, and it, you know in the couple of games that he's been back um, has has done pretty well on it too. And and again, you know the, the this being in the middle of the pack there, yeah, they if they improve that, I, I mean, I've I've always said that I would much rather have. Uh, top five penalty killing team going into the playoffs than a top five power play team i think penalty killing is much more important come playoffs than power play oh absolutely because the good yeah i mean you're you're the competition that you're going to be facing it's very important that you're able to 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 not allow the goals because the goal the goals themselves are going to be hard to come by anyway yeah if you give them up that way you know that that creates a problem but yeah i think there's not again i mean here we are almost what a quarter of the way through the season a little more than that um and they're sitting on top of the league there's there's not a lot to complain about yeah no i mean we could talk about how how good they've been doing all day sometimes it gets a little bit boring though you want to find uh as you said some nits to pick but uh and speaking of boring i i i I like to have fun with this so and i I brought it up to you before and it wasn't really on our agenda but i I just i notice weird things sometimes and this road trip um this 10-day road trip that that we just finished up i was (laughs) in arizona i was standing in the so the hotel is right next to the arena there which is a great setup there's a whole big like you know, there's places to eat. Yeah, it's like right across from the football stadium and everything too. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, right. So, but it's in the middle of nowhere. So yeah. they have this. Oh, I've, little... I've I've made that drive before. I uh, I know it. It takes a second to get from downtown Phoenix to uh, to Gila River to, Arena. Yeah, and, and but so the arena's right next. So I, I we and I happen to be staying in the in the in the same hotel as the players. So which is a rare thing that happens on the road. But um, I was in the parking lot of the arena and I noticed a, a car. I actually took a picture of it. It, it had a California license plates license plates on it. it said Rocco twenty three, and I thought, man, I know I know Rocco Grimaldi's from California, but and and he doesn't seem like the kind of guy who would have his own name on his license plate. So I looked to the front of the car and, and hanging from the rearview mirror is a, a miniature uh, hockey glove and a, and a Predators hat, and I'm like, man, this is just too weird. But it was a it was a Prius. So I think to myself, you know, this can't be Rocco's car. So, um, and, and I'm sorry to see Rocco go down to Milwaukee uh, yesterday, but I think he'll get more more playing time there. I think that was just a matter of getting him on the ice because I don't think he's, he hasn't been playing a lot lately. But anyway, so I asked Rocco, I, I ran into him in the hotel lobby and I said, Rocco, I said, I will respect you more if the answer to this question is yes. But if it's not, that's fine too. I said, but do you drive a Prius? And he looked at me and started laughing and he says, no, I don't drive a Prius. 
And I said, well, I saw this, this car in the parking lot and he, before he could even finish, he says, uh, yeah, that's my dad's car. It's my dad's car. So I guess his dad had driven over from California to, to, to see support, him. Yeah. Supporting his son. But, that, that's awesome. But, uh, you know, the, the, the fun stories that you get, um, on the road and inside, inside the locker room, you know, are, are, and I've documented some of those in the newsletter that we, we've just restarted again. Um, which by the way, also called Catfish Corner, I believe everyone should sign up for that. Get some it's free. Fred's news into your mailbox. Stay up to date as much as you can. I share some. I share some experiences from you know being in the locker room and on the road. Some behind the scenes stuff that I think um, people might be interested in. We have fun with it. There's a ton of links in there for all from all of our coverage. Um, for instance, uh, I'm, I'm going to do the one for this week today. Um, it will talk about. Rocco's dad's car. We'll talk about Peck. I talked with Pecorini uh, yesterday about his mustache. Um, and so it's not all um, power plays and, and, you know, president's trophies. I think it's important to have fun. And, and look, when I was growing up and I was a fan of, of sports, um, my, you know, I like to read about, I, I like to know things that, that I couldn't, I didn't, I couldn't, weren't apparent just for me watching a game, right? So I look at my job um, as it's it's really neat because I'm able to see a lot of things that the casual fan isn't allowed isn't isn't doesn't see and I, and when I can I like to share those things because I think people are interested in them and I'm interested in them. Um, the other night when when Ryan Johansson was was seeing Shania Twain to Kelly Yarncroke after his after his hat trick, um, I wish I would have had video of that because it was fun. It was something you know that we joke about um, you know and. and and I just think that that as that aspect of of what we do, and and you know trying to share with you guys what goes on is is very interesting. Um, and I just notice dumb things, so you know, and and that kind of leads me into the other night during a game. I don't know, last week, uh, somebody asked about pickle juice, and apparently Shea Weber used to rub it on his legs when he was in Nashville, and. Um, Somebody asked me on Twitter about, hey, does the Predators still do that? And I've never smelled pickle juice in the locker room, but it got me interested um, to find out more about pickle juice and, and hockey players. And, and you said that this is like actually a thing that that not just like hockey players do, but like athletes, runners, runners stuff like that. That is, and they don't rub it on their like a home remedy type of thing. It's, it it helps prevent cramps, I guess. And it, there's a lot of electrolytes in it. Dill pickle juice, by the way, it's not. You don't want to drink the sweet pickle juice, but. Um, apparently it, it helps with cramps. Um, so runners like to use it. Hockey players, uh, apparently like to use it. And I was astounded. I guess I shouldn't be. I was, <laughs> because I, I was doing a little research on pickle juice and I found a website that sells bottled pickle juice, like for, to athletes. Uh, so all the, I guess it's better than Gatorade. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, 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 dill pickles are fine. I just never imagined that. Yeah. It uh, feels like off I feel like it would have, uh, you know, a lot of sodium or something like that. Maybe that's what they want, I guess. But who was the first person who decided, you know what, I don't have this right now, but using my chemistry degree or like knowing that these enzymes are in this, I'm going to, I have pickle juice. I have plenty of pickles. Let's do that. I, yeah, it kind of reminded me of the, uh, (laughs) the old story about, uh, some baseball players used to urinate on their hands, I guess, for some reason. Why? I, I, I I don't know. I guess it helps back in like the sixties or something like that. No, it's not even that long ago. Oh my God. But so 
you know, these guys, uh, you know, they do everything they can to keep their, their bodies in shape, but apparent, but I haven't, I haven't smelled any, any pickle juice in the locker room. So I, I'm going to have to find out. I'm going to, it's my next investigation. I'm going to ask the guys if they drink pickle juice. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, they might drink it with, uh, you know, some Jameson shots or something like that. That I've so. seen now that I, oh, I've done that before. <laughs> it's, uh, I, I don't remember when it was, it was definitely in college sometime, but a friend of mine was like, yes, this is definitely a thing. And said, no, and you were drinking not. Jameson. Yeah. Why would you remember? Uh, and no, we asked the bartender and he was like, Oh yes, this is definitely a thing. Do you want some? And I was like, I don't, but I'm going to have some just to say that I did. And it was uh, it's it, so, it was exact. It was weird. It was it, it yeah. It was a funny thing because the first time I, I was a bartender for for a long time and I had never heard of that. But I was in Tampa after they played down there having dinner after a game in the bar, and the the person next to me ordered just what you what you just said, Jameson, Jameson and pickle, pickle juice. juice. No, and I. You know, this is before the pickle juice thing came up on Twitter, and I'm just, and then the day that it, the day or the, the day that the mailbag had come out was National Pickle Day. So I don't know what is going on in my life with 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 pickles and and hockey, and I, I don't know, but um, I'm learning I'm learning a lot about pickle juice lately, um, and I think it's kind of funny actually. So well, we go from pickles to Pekka. Yeah, yeah. I, I think we can talk about uh, pickles to Pekka and then then wrap it up. Uh, so uh, you mentioned earlier that uh, Pekka is kind of aging like a like a nice fine wine. Uh, he had that two year extension that he signed uh, in between uh, in between episodes, which I think is a a great deal. And for, celebrated for them. celebrated with a, 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 a second time having you know having a shutout on his birthday after signing a contract after signing a contract and then. Um, I think either after that game or the next day invited UC Saros over and they had a pizza party at Pekka's house. So that's more inside information for you. You're right. You might not have known. Pizza party at Pekka's. And UC did not bring a gift. He just went over for the pizza, man. He just, you know, I mean, uh, I I think that's kind of, you know, that's kind of bad form. Yeah. Well, you know, when you're uh, a... How old is UC now? 23? 24. 23, 24. You know, when you're living on a 23, 24-year-old salary, you know... It's, it's it's hard to go go and what find do you gifts, get, and what yeah. do you get Pekka anyway right like what do you get I, I I feel like Pekka is one of those people that will buy you gifts for his birthday yes. like he is just that nice of a person that's like oh don't worry about it don't get me gay don't get me gift uh, I will get you your I will, I will buy a gift for you for your birthday he's such a I, I love I love his personality is something, you know, it's been, been on the beat for a couple months now. And, and I had dealt with Pekka from a visiting standpoint, um, wasn't around for any any extended period of time. Um, he, he's a gift every day. He's just, yeah, he, uh, he's, he, I, I asked him today. So I wrote a story yesterday about his, I asked him about his mustache cause everybody, you know, he looks weird with a mustache and I know it's Movember and, and, and all this other stuff. I can't grow facial hair, so I don't keep up with all this, all this stuff. But I asked him just kind of, you know, goofing around yesterday about his mustache. And apparently it's a tribute to his, to his dad who has a, a fabulous mustache that Pekka will never be able to replicate. Um, so maybe UC could have gotten him a, a mustache growth subscription to Dollar Shave Club. Yeah, so it's only some, a dollar. Something like you know he could have brought something. You know I, I feel like UC owes him now. But yeah, yeah especially after living there for a little bit. Yeah, too, you I know? mean what you know I mean come on UC you got you got to be better than that man. Um, but yeah, I, I thought uh, the deal that they signed was was great because you know we we've talked about this before. Um, and this has been something that's kind of been in the works where eventually UC Saros is uh, projected to take over that number one goaltender spot. I mean, Pekka Rene is getting a little bit older. I mean, he's getting 
essentially better uh, every year, except when he has, you know, tough games to play in the playoffs. Uh, but he's getting regular season better every year. He got his first Vezina trophy last year. Um, and I, I think that that is, is pretty much it's what I expected. I figured that he'd sign another, you know, one, two, three year deal to stay on with the he, Predators. He, wa- he really wants to retire a Predator. And I think that the Predators want him to retire and, and they, they a Predator, do. and so do Predators fans. They do. The, the, the problem he's presenting to them is, and, and it's a great problem to have, and I talked to Pekka about He's staying this. good. He's, he's, he, yeah. I mean, he's not, his play has not gone down. And, and I asked UC about that. You know, it's, it's a tough spot because your contract will expire the same year. Yeah. I also asked Pekka about the, the the possibility of of I know in his contract he has he has no movement clause but if somehow Seattle were to take him in the expansion draft how he would feel about you know because obviously they're going to keep UC right I right. mean they, you know at that point yeah I mean at that think, point you, you have to right you have the younger goaltender it would be right. it would be almost uh, a, it, it would be idiotic not to at that point. and Pekka Pekka didn't come out and say he would retire before he would go to another team but I I, I because he's too nice to say that, but I think that you know my guess would be he, he he's this is where he's going to retire. I don't I don't foresee him, you know, going to Seattle or and I and I also asked him about getting to your point about how good he has been and, how, and you know he's he's leading the league in goals against. He's leading the league in save percentage. He's thirty six years old. Um, he's having a better year this year than he was having last year at this point. And you know you you wonder. How does it, you know, what if, when, when does that point come for UC? And, and Pekka, you know, said to me, I, you know, look, I feel like I'm playing the best I've ever played. I haven't really thought about that. But he also understands and said, you know, hey, if they come to me at some point, whenever that point is, and say, UC is the starter, you're the backup, I, not surprisingly, Pekka said, you know, I'm I'm 100% on board with it. There's not a bigger UC Saros supporter in the world than Pekka Rene. In fact, every time I ask Pekka, he brings up UC, you know, without even being asked. And so, you know, talent recognizes talent. You know, I, I think that the Predators are in a really good spot. I don't think that Pekka Rene is going to be going anywhere, wear any other uniform besides a Predators uniform. And he's made that very clear, um, you know, and and good for him for getting paid again. Yeah. I mean, good for him. Yeah, and uh, he uh, he earned it. And to your point, I mean, um, I don't have a whole lot of experience in uh, you know professional sports locker rooms and everything like that. But the limited one, the, the limited experience that I do have, uh, Pecorine was just at at the top of that. I mean. Uh, learned my name after just like one meeting, right? Which is just kind of uh, dumbfounded, dumbfounded me. And he really is like him and Forsberg. I think are just two of the nicest people that I've that I've ever met in al- almost in any professional setting, not just a sports setting, but just any professional setting. Yeah, you know, it's it's a lot. It's funny because you know, and only having been here a couple of months, you always kind of gravitate toward the guys who make you feel the most welcome. Mm-hmm. And that's just not, you know, it, it sounds funny for, for, for me to say this, but my least favorite thing to do is have a recorder in my hand when I'm talking to somebody. I think it's, it's awkward, it's weird, it's part of my job, I get it. Um, but I like to try to make a lot of time, if, if players are willing or, or, or equipment managers or, you know, assistant coaches or general managers, whoever, right? yeah, yeah, just to chat. BS, and not even about hockey necessarily, right? Peck is, uh, you know, a guy who I put up there with, with uh, in my experience with covering the Cubs. Chris Bryant is another guy who these superstars in, 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 and I don't look at him like that. I, I 
don't look at Pecorine any differently. I'm a big backup goalie guy. Like I always, for some reason, like Jean Francois Berube is a guy that I connected with, and we talked a lot. Like the 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 level of success they have as a, as a professional athlete has zero to do with my relationship with them. Um, some of them just happen to be really good. I don't look at it through that prism. Um, I look at it through a prism of like, he's a, like, he's a good dude. Like I would, you know, I would go out and have dinner with him or I would, I would, you know, want him, you know, allow him to be around my kids, you know, and and that kind of a, of a thing and their success doesn't correlate with that in my eyes. So, and Chris Bryant, like I said, he was, he's another guy who was, and I've, I've told Chris and Pekka both of us, I'm like, forget the accomplishments that you have as an athlete, like you're too nice of a person. Like you have to be a jerk. Some, are you ever a, like, I almost don't trust you cause you're never a jerk. Right. You know, like, so, but, and it's, and there are guys, you know, I haven't come across any with the predators yet, but I've come across some of my career who, who maybe aren't the most approachable. And I don't hold that against them either. You know, look, I, everybody's different. Not everybody's going to be, you know, friendly with everybody else. And, and I get that, but Pekka is just, he just, so I asked him today to take a, to take a picture of his mustache. Cause we didn't have one. And I wanted one to go with this, with the story online. And I told him if you don't want to, that's cool. And you know, it's like, he almost grabbed my camera and took a selfie. Like, you know, <laughs> Hey, I'll, you know, it's just it always has time. And you see him interact with, with fans and people. And, and it's, it's, you know, it's refreshing. Cause I, my perspective, my perspective is a lot different and I, but I do appreciate a fan's perspective. And I always watch, how players interact with fans it's very telling too and um you know not just us but as media members but just it's important to see somebody's true colors you you really can see the guys who are annoyed with it and the guys who aren't yeah i i I think that if uh if you asked uh, if you put out a question there uh, on twitter uh maybe you listeners can do this uh as well just you know uh if you ask them you know what are your experiences or good memories or what nice things has pekka done for you when you're you know uh at centennial waiting for autographs or uh, at a game or just out at you know one of the meet and greets or at fort ice center or something like that i think that you would get just hundreds upon thousands of replies as far as like things that 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 man has done and that goes a long way in the lock i mean uh, look most of the predators after practices or, or even after games there are uh, after games there are people lined up outside the locker room i don't know how they get this access but they if they buy a special package or what the deal is but win or lose um after games at bridgestone there's there's usually a line of people outside the locker room um and the players, almost to a man, I haven't seen anybody not do this. They go out there and they interact with them, and they take pictures, and they yeah. sign the, autographs. The first and- game, that, the first Predators game I ever covered, uh, J.P. Dumont and Jordan Tutu were the two players that came out to uh, to do that. Yeah, and it's just, you know, the, the, the access, uh, we've got to wrap it up here, but the access, the NHL is, is, access is so great. So I really enjoy that aspect of what I'm able to do and watching you know, I get a lot of satisfaction of watching these guys interact with, with people who, you know, watch them and, and are fans of them and whatever, because I don't, I, I kind of lost that a little bit as a, as a reporter. So, um, you know, I appreciate seeing that. And I, I'll tell you one real quick, one more real quick story. I, so I grew up and I was a big Frank Thomas fan. And so when I, when I got older and had the opportunity to, to cover him, I didn't want to do it because I had this, this vision in my head of he's my favorite. Player. Yeah. You don't want to meet your heroes right. type of thing. Yeah. Right. So, um, he was doing, he came out with some kind of a beer and he was doing this promotional thing at a bunch of, a bunch of liquor stores, signing cans of beer. And, and I, I went and, you know, I'm an adult now, of course I don't, you know, we're, we're on this, we're, we're on the same level now. I'm not a kid anymore. Who's, you know, has this man crush on Frank Thomas, but 
<clears throat> I wanted to see him interact with, I didn't go get his autograph. I just wanted to go and it, I, I was on an assignment and I wanted to go and see how he interacted with fans. And um, it was great to watch. And so then when I finally did interview him a few times for a few different things, um, that, that image that I had wasn't ruined. Right. Cause I just didn't want from my childhood, I wanted to protect that, that kind of that image of, you know, and I was fine with it being just a great baseball player. Like I didn't, you know, I right. didn't care. But again, with the, with the hockey players um, in, in particular, you know, the interaction, um, the, the availability is, is is off the charts, and uh, it's it's fun to watch. It's fun to watch. Yeah. So, anything else as we uh, we wrap up and get ready to sign off? No, I'm going to go home uh, tomorrow or tonight and have some spend some time with the family and uh, have some food and. Uh, be back on Sunday to to catch the game then. So I won't be going to St. Louis on Friday, but um, every, I need a break too. Everybody needs a couple of maintenance days. Yeah, absolutely, and it's what the, it's what the holidays are for. So uh, you out there uh, have a great, uh, great uh, holiday. Uh, if you're traveling, be safe. Uh, don't go too fast if you're driving. Uh, have a safe flight if you're flying. Um, this pretty much turned into Pecorine's appreciation corner for the last like 20 minutes. But uh, I, I personally think that he deserves it. So, and don't forget pickle juice. Uh, yeah. Don't forget run. pickle juice. If you're, you know, may, maybe mix it in with some of your old fashions or the sangria that you're mixing. Uh, or if you, uh, if you're going on if, a run, yeah, if you run a Turkey trot or something like that, uh, pack a jar of uh, Vlasic pickles so that you can uh, rub those on your legs to keep them from getting sore. Uh, I'm John Garcia. You can follow me at jgarcia36 on Twitter. You can follow me at Paul Scurbina if you can spell my last name. Heck yeah. All right. We will be back. Have a happy holiday, everyone. <laughs>